Blog Talk Radio. Holy crap. Huh. 
which meant there was only one polling site for every 20,000 voters. And many Democratic voters uh, also arrived to vote, only to discover that they were improperly registered and given provisional ballots, which may or may not have been counted for anything. Oh, man. In the United States of America, democracy is the foundation of our way of life, Bernie said. People should not have to wait five hours to vote. And what happened yesterday in Arizona is a disgrace. The voting was so disgraceful, many are calling for officials to hold the primary again, properly run this time. Bernie ended his comments on the Arizona primary by saying he hopes that this fiasco has raised the bar for elections moving forward. I hope that every state in the country learns from that and learns how to put together a proper election where people can come in and vote in a timely manner and then go back to work. Five hours. That, that's criminal. And, and you know, that that was all set up for, for Hillary, you know, uh-huh. of course. And because uh, Bernie needed a big turnout. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's amazing. So, anyway, we just, oh, uh, here we go. Uh, let's let's hear what he had to say. There's a couple of minutes. Well, we got an email uh, last night from a woman uh, in Arizona who was waiting online for five hours to vote. For five hours to vote. Now, whether that, uh, whatever the cause of that problem is, people in the United States of America should not have to wait five hours in order to vote. We do not know how many thousands of people who wanted to vote yesterday in Arizona did not vote. We don't know if they wanted to vote for Bernie Sanders, Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump, or whoever. We don't know that. But in the United States of America, democracy is the foundation of our way of life. People should not have to wait five hours to vote. Uh, And what happened yesterday in Arizona is a disgrace. I hope that every state in this country learns from that and learns how to uh, put together a proper uh, election where people can come in and vote in a timely manner and then go back to work. Um, Okay, that's about it. Any questions? Well, she got more votes. That was why she beat us. But, uh, well, I mean, let's start off with the reason why we got 78% uh, or 80% of the vote in Utah uh, and Idaho. Uh, I I can't give you that answer. I would surmise that it is similar to what has happened in other states around this country. Uh, We have done uh, very well with young people. I am not aware of any exit polls, so if there were exit polls, I could give you a better answer. I'm not aware of those. Uh, We have done very, very well with young people. She has done better with older people. Uh, Now, what I still do not know and what has confused me with regard to Arizona, to be honest with you, is last I heard, and if somebody wants to correct me, please do, that there were about 600,000 people who voted in Arizona. That is significantly less than we had anticipated, to be honest with you. And I think the larger the voter turnout, uh, the better we do. Now, to what degree or whether it was significant or not that there were people having to wait online for many, many hours, uh, how many people simply walked away? Were they thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds? I don't know. Uh, maybe that was a factor as well. Yeah. Yeah, so he's getting screwed. No matter which way you go, he's getting screwed through. That's not very nice. No. Not very nice. Sad. Yeah. So, yeah, no, Sanders should contest uh, Arizona. You know, he really should. I think he... Oh, he is something. 
Oh, the, all of those pictures had comments on it. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's going to get me in trouble. I can tell you. Didn't mean it. Um, Bernie Sanders impersonated hijacks John Kasich's event. <laughs> Trump protesters go berserk. Okay, that's. Uh, we can, you want to watch five seconds of yeah, it? Yeah, let's see what that. that this is from the Alex Jones show. Yeah. Pretty much the speech that I would have given 
to APAC if I had been able to attend uh, their conference. So I wanted to be there. It was simply a question of scheduling. You've said that the U.S. should be even-handed when it comes to dealing with the Israelis and the Palestinians. So does that mean that the U.S. should remain neutral to achieve peace? No. What it means is that if we want lasting peace uh, in the Middle East, we have got to obviously make sure that the security uh, and the independence of Israel remains intact. Uh, that is not a debate. Israel must continue to exist as an independent free state. But if we are going to have lasting peace, we have also got to work with the Palestinians. And what that means, we have got to recognize that for in Gaza, for example, in Gaza, you got an unemployment rate of 44%. You have people living in horrific poverty. You have a community that was destroyed. So if we are going to go forward, it cannot be that the United States just takes the side of Israel. We've got to work with both communities to try to do what is very, very difficult, and that is create a lasting peace in the region. Do you think the U.S. has not been even-handed up till now? Right. I do not think so. Uh, I think that uh, overwhelmingly uh, the United States time and time again has looked aside when Israel has done some bad things. Uh, I think, for example, that the growth of settlements in Palestinian territory uh, is not acceptable to me and not conducive uh, to the peace process. Uh, I think that the kind of destruction that was wrecked on, wrecked on, on uh, Gaza uh, during that war was way above what needed to be done for military purposes. A lot of civilians were killed. Uh, a lot of hospitals and, and schools and, and, and apartments were destroyed above and beyond what had to be done. So look, I think there is no question that there's enough blame to go around on both sides. Uh, Israel has the right to defend itself against terrorist attacks, against Hezbollah, against Hamas. But I think the United States is stronger when we work with both sides. Secretary Clinton said that, that she's provide, uh, presided over face-to-face -face meetings between Prime Minister Netanyahu, for instance, and President Abbas, three separate sessions. She says she's had a, a lot of experience, obviously, in this region. Why do you think you would do a better job than a President Clinton? Well, I'll tell you why, because I think I have shown a lot better judgment than she has on foreign policy. Look, she was Secretary of State for four years, and in that capacity you gain a lot of experience. But in fact, when she was in the Senate, she heard the same evidence that I did from George Bush and Dick Cheney about going into Iraq. I not only voted against that war, I helped lead the opposition to that war. And if you go to my website, berniesanders.com, read what I said then, back in 2002. Gives me no joy to tell you, Anderson, much of what I predicted would happen in that political vacuum with Saddam Hussein gone, in fact, has happened. Secretary Clinton, then Senator, heard the same evidence. She voted for the war. As Secretary of State, she worked very hard, as the New York Times documented, to overthrow Gaddafi in Libya. The results have not been good. Once again, regime change, without thinking about it a whole lot, created a political vacuum. ISIS came in. Secretary Clinton, in a debate that I had with her a month or so ago, she talked about Henry Kissinger praising her achievements. In my view, Henry Kissinger was one of the worst secretaries of state in the modern history of the United States of America. Very destructive policies. So I think Secretary Clinton and I look at foreign policy in very different ways. 
I am confident that I have the judgment to bring together people to create a foreign policy that works for Israel, that works for the Palestinians, yeah. that works for the people throughout this world. Well, one of the things that Secretary Clinton talked about in her APEC speech today is continuing military aid to Israel with the most advanced weapon systems available. You in the past have said your long-term hopes that U.S. policy shifts from more military aid to Israel to more economic aid. The U.S. gave about $3 billion a year in military aid to Israel. Would you continue that military aid, that much military aid? Well, I, I think we've got to do both. I think Israel uh, needs military aid. I can't give you the exact number. But this is what I will also tell you. I want to see the United States providing economic assistance to the region. I want to see the United States working on water issues in the region, which are major major problem in many of the Arab countries. I want to see the international community, with the help of Israel, with the help of the United States, rebuilding the devastation in Gaza. At the end of the day, long term, not going to happen tomorrow, I would much prefer to see money going into that region for economic development, schools, health care, infrastructure, rather than just weapons of destruction. But for now, would you continue the same amount of aid that Israel has been getting in terms of military assistance? I can't give you that. I, I just don't know the answer. It's a lot of money, and maybe, but I've got to take a hard look at it and talk to a number of people. Would you? But Israel, let me be clear. Let me be clear. Israel has the right to defend itself, period. Would you recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel and move the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem? I don't know the answer to that one uh, is as well. I think the status quo, in general, I am sympathetic to what President Obama has done uh, in that area, and I am not happy, for example, uh, with some of the behavior of Prime Minister Netanyahu, uh, especially you. when he went to a joint session of Congress uh, without even notifying President Obama that he was coming. So, in general, I think that you know President Obama, I know he has been criticized a lot, uh, but I uh, am supportive of many of his uh, efforts in the Middle East. The Hillary Clinton uh, hailed her role in negotiating the Iran nuclear deal. You have said you support the deal. Uh, today you said it doesn't achieve everything you would like. What do you think she and the Obama administration left out, did not get in the deal? Well, this is what I think. I very strongly supported uh, the agreement uh, to make sure that Iran did not get a nuclear weapon. And we have to do everything we can. And if Iran breaks that treaty, we've got to go back to sanctions, and every other option remains on the table. But in a general sense, uh, when we look at the entire region, I think we have got to understand that it's not just Iran that has been a bad player, and they have been a bad player. They have supported terrorist activity. But you know what? We've got to look at the other major country in that region, Saudi Arabia. And if anyone thinks that Saudi Arabia is a model of Jeffersonian democracy, you got another thing coming. They have also in that country put money into terrorist organizations. They are the fourth largest military in the world, Defense Department in the world. And I would rather them playing a constructive role in the fight against ISIS, along, by the way, with Qatar, which is now spending $200 billion for the World Cup, in 2022, I want to see those countries yeah. becoming engaged in the war against ISIS rather than Saudi Arabia being in Yemen and Qatar preparing for the World Cup. Right. You've talked in the past about Saudi Arabia and Iran 
teaming up against ISIS. Uh, Hillary Clinton has said, look, that's a non-starter. I mean, that a lot of these countries don't even view ISIS as their primary enemy. Certainly Saudi Arabia views Iran as, their, as, a, as a major foe. Well, that's a, but Anderson, that is exactly my point. You know, we are allies with Saudi Arabia, and it is time that they work with us. In fact, in my view, ISIS is a real threat to Saudi Arabia, but Saudi Arabia in some ways has paid off and bought off some of these terrorist organizations. So how do you to force them themselves? to fight? How do you force you them have, to get involved against ISIS? Well, you know, it cannot just be attacks on Iran. Look, it's not that Iran is wonderful. They are involved in terrorist activities. Saudi Arabia is a, monoc a, a monarchy, does not respect women's rights, does not have free elections. There are people in Saudi Arabia who have funded terrorist organizations. That's what our job is, is to try to bring these organizations, these countries together, and to say, you know what, the United States of America can't do it all for you. We are not the policemen of the world. Our men and women are not going to be involved in perpetual warfare. You have the fourth largest military in the world in Saudi Arabia. Start using that military in a constructive way. Work with other countries. Listen to King Abdullah of Jordan about the need for the Muslim countries to be on the ground to defeat ISIS. Let me ask you about Cuba. President Obama is obviously in Cuba right now, a historic visit. As president, would you also make history? Would you invite Raul Castro, if he's still uh, the leader of Cuba, to the White House? I have long believed that we should normalize relations with Cuba in every respect, including doing away with the economic embargo. I think normalized relations would be good for Americans. You know, right now, you can go to Saudi Arabia, it's a monarchy. You can go to China, it's a dictatorship. But for some reason, you can't go to Cuba, which, of course, is an authoritarian country. So I think Americans should be able, have the right to go where they want, second of all. I think for American businesses and jobs in this country, there are investment opportunities in Cuba which are now being taken advantage of by Canada and Europe. We should take advantage as well. So to answer your question, yes, I want to see us moving forward as quickly as possible to normalize relations with Cuba. I applaud President Obama for his initiative. So normalize relations for you, that would mean even inviting a leader like Raul Castro to the White House, as other leaders are Well, invited. last I heard, we have invited... We've invited the leaders of Saudi Arabia. We've invited the leaders of China. We've invited the leaders of a whole lot of authoritarian countries to come to the United States. I think Cuba should be treated similarly. I want to follow up to a question you were asked at the debate in Miami uh, recently. Uh, the moderators played a video of you back from way back in 1985 in which you praised Fidel Castro. You said he educated their kids, gave them health care, totally transformed yeah. their society. Do you think the Cuban Revolution was good for the people of Cuba? In some ways, it was. Look, you know, the Cuban Revolution took place, what was it, in 1959? It was a long time ago. What I said, the main point that I made, Anderson, is that I don't think the United States of America should go around overthrowing governments. I think the Bay of Pigs was a disaster. I think the attempt, the overthrow of Salvador Allende in Chile was a disaster. Yeah. I think the overthrow of the democratically elected president in Guatemala, Jacob Arbenz, was a disaster. I think the overthrow of the democratically elected prime minister in Iran was a disaster. So I don't think the United States has the legal or moral right to go around overthrowing governments. 
And I think very often those efforts have backfired, bringing about a whole lot of instability in regions throughout this country. But as you know, even at that debate, Hillary Clinton went after you uh, for, in her words, essentially praising the regime of Fidel Castro. This is something in a general election would, well, no, would no doubt be used against you. I'm just you wondering, know, Anderson, Anderson, do you think the revolution let's not get into, good? Let's not get into red baiting here. Here is the truth. Everybody knows it. Cuba is a very poor country. Its economy is in very bad shape. It is an authoritarian society. Do I support their economic policies or their political policies? Of course I don't. But you know what else? Cuba produces a lot of physicians in this country. And you know where they go? They go to poor countries around the world doing a lot of good. I wish we had physicians in this country, the number of physicians that we need to go to poor countries around the world. By and large, Cuba's educational system for a poor country is pretty good. When Castro came to power, they did a lot to eliminate illiteracy in that country. So, yes, you know, you don't have to praise everything about Fidel Castro. It's a dictatorship. It's a poor economy. We want changes. But have some good things been done in Cuba? Yes. Should the United States go around overthrowing governments we don't like? I don't think so. Let me ask you about uh, the Supreme Court. You're supporting President Obama's pick for the Supreme Court, Judge uh, Merrick Garland. You've also said you want to nominate someone more progressive if you're president. In your view, in what way does Garland fail that test? Well, I think Garland seems to be, uh, has enormous uh, experience. He's widely uh, respected, clearly a very intelligent man. Uh, but what I have said, uh, Anderson, and you've heard me say it on numerous occasions, I believe that the Supreme Court decision six years ago on Citizens United was one of the worst Supreme Court decisions in the history of our country. Mm -hmm. And in fact, it is paving the way to undermining American democracy uh, and creating a very corrupt campaign finance system. Uh, I do have a litmus test for a Supreme Court nominee. And that, we, I want, and that is that I want that nominee to be loud and clear in telling the American people that he or she will vote to overturn Citizens United. President Obama said recently at a fundraiser that Democrat success in November requires the party to come together behind a nominee. You pledged to stay in the race through June to the convention. If Hillary Clinton clinches the nomination before June, are you hurting Democrats' chances of staying in the race by staying in the race? No. Quite the, quite the contrary. Number one, as you know, uh, many of the early states uh, were in the Deep South. Uh, Secretary Clinton picked up a lot of delegates. She did well there. Now we're moving to another part of the country. Uh, just tomorrow, I'm here in Utah. Uh, there is going to be a caucus here. We think we're going to do well. We think we're going to do well in Idaho. Uh, we think we have a chance. It's going to be tough in Arizona. We got Washington State. I, I spoke yesterday to 35,000 people in Washington State in three separate locations. We think we have an excellent chance to win there. We think we're going to do well in Alaska. We think we're going to do well in Hawaii. We think that once we're on the West Coast, we think we're going to do well in Oregon. We think we're going to do well in California. So to answer your question, number one, I think we have a road, a narrow road, but a road to victory. Number two, it is absurd. It is completely anti-democratic to tell some of the largest states in this country, California, New York State, you should not have a voice in helping to select the Democratic nominee. Number three, Democrats win when the voter turnout is high. Republicans win when it's low. By contesting and having serious debates, 
about the important issues facing this country, getting people involved in the process. We're going to drive up the voter turnout in November, no matter who the nominee is. Number four, virtually every poll that has come out has Bernie Sanders defeating Donald Trump by very large numbers. Last NBC poll had me 19 points ahead of him, far more than Secretary Clinton. Here in Utah, of all places, I was 11 points ahead of Trump. She was two points ahead of Trump. A CBS poll came out today having her all of five points ahead of me nationally. When we started off, we were 70 points behind. I am not a quitter. We're going to fight this to the last vote. We're going to give every American the chance to decide which candidate they want to be the Democratic nominee uh, in November. You saved me the problem of bringing up Donald Trump since you brought him up. Uh, you recently referred to him as a, as a pathological liar. That's pretty tough words. It, yes. it, pathological is actually no. a word he had used against uh, uh, Ben Carson, who's now I endorsing him. Do you think he has some sort of compulsion toward lying? Look, this is not Bernie Sanders. As I'm sure you are aware, there have been a number of publications. Uh, Politico did an article checking what he says. PolitiFact, which is a group that, you know, checks on what politicians say. And what they said is, overwhelmingly, almost everything that he says is not true. He just says things off the top of his head. He saw Muslims in New Jersey, thousands, celebrating the destruction of the Twin Towers on 9-11. It never happened. Time after time, he says things that are just not true, and I think more and more people understand that. That is above and beyond the fact that almost every day he is insulting Latinos and Mexicans, Muslims, women, African-Americans. I mean, there is a reason why this guy will not be elected president of the United States. That type of temperament, that kind of divisiveness, which he is engendering, the kind of violence which he is almost encouraging, is not what the American people want. In Utah, when I am beating Donald Trump by 11 points, in what is one of the most conservative states in this country, it is clear to me that Donald Trump is not going to be elected president of the United States. Your fellow uh, Senator uh, Elizabeth Warren on Twitter uh, said some tough words uh, against Donald Trump. Among other things, she called him a wannabe tyrant. Do you agree with that? Oh, there's no question but that he has authoritarian uh, tendencies. You know, what really, really boggled my mind, and by the way, Anderson, as you know, it's not just me. you got a lot of Republicans out there, conservative Republicans, who are looking at this guy and saying, what is going on? It's what Mitt Romney uh, and people like that are saying. When he suggests, after one of his supporters um, punches out uh, a, a, a protest and knocks him down, sucker punches him, uh, Trump says, well, you know, I'm giving thought to paying for the legal defense of that guy. When you do that, what you are giving a signal to your supporters is, Violence is okay. You go around beating up people. We'll be there to support you with legal costs. So I think that does he have a tendency toward authoritarianism and a tendency to encourage violence? I think the evidence is pretty clear that he does. Just a couple more questions. You're urging superdelegates and other voters across the country to back you, saying you'll fare better against Donald Trump. You've talked about that tonight rather than Hillary Clinton. The Clinton camp says in private that you pull better essentially because you haven't been targeted yet by Republicans as a socialist who will raise taxes on the middle class. Is that why you're pulling yeah. better? Well, 
No, that's nonsense. First of all, you know, I wasn't born yesterday, and this is not my first campaign. Certainly it's my first campaign for president. I've run a number of times in Vermont against very wealthy people who have opposition research. They threw a lot of garbage at me. My last election in Vermont I won by 71%, and in this primary process I got 86% from Vermonters who have seen all of the you know, crap that people can throw at you. But I think when you look at a race against Trump, there is no question that we are a much stronger campaign than is Hillary Clinton. We will get all or virtually all of the Democratic support. Not many Democrats will be voting for Donald Trump. But we will do much better than Hillary Clinton with the millions of people who are independents. The millions of people who feel, for whatever reason, uncomfortable with Hillary Clinton. So I think what the polls already show, and I think what the evidence is pretty clear, we are the candidate to beat Donald Trump, and I think more and more Democrats are seeing that. One of the impacts you've had on this race is Hillary Clinton has moved toward a number of your positions, from the Keystone Pipeline to Asian trade, even calling on the governor of Michigan uh, to resign. She seemed to do that right before the the, uh, debate in Flint. If you could move her on one more policy, what would it be? Look, Anderson, you know, I think the American people know it is not what a candidate says during a campaign. What the American people or what kind of ideas they steal from other people. What is important is what your record is and what your history is. Right now, Hillary Clinton has super PACs that are raising huge amounts of money from Wall Street, the fossil fuel industry, and drug companies. I think most Americans understand that somebody cannot be a serious agent for change when they are so close to some of the most powerful special interests in this country. We have raised money through 5 million individual contributions, averaging 27 bucks apiece. I have spent my entire political life taking on Wall Street, taking on the drug companies, taking on the fossil fuel industry. That is the kind of record that I think the American people and Democrats will look at, and that's why I am confident we are going to do better and better as this campaign proceeds. I saw you on the campaign trail the other day. Uh, you said that you never went to one of Donald Trump's wedding, clearly a reference to uh, Secretary Clinton, who did attend uh, Donald Trump's wedding. Um, should voters take that into consideration, that she was once friendly with Donald Trump, that she received uh, funds from Donald Trump? I think, you know, people have got to take everything into consideration. Look, this is no secret. Hillary Clinton is the candidate of the establishment. She is the candidate, the Democratic candidate of the big money interests. She has the support of public officials all over America. What it is also clear is we are running an insurgent campaign. We are the anti-establishment campaign. We are the campaign that is calling for a political revolution that has taken on the billionaire class and Wall Street. And I think as people look at our records, how we raise money, what our views are on income and wealth inequality, who was there first, who was helping to lead that fight, the war in Iraq, fracking, uh, on all the public colleges and universities being tuition-free, demanding that the wealthy and large corporations start paying their fair share of taxes, who is calling? for the United States to join the rest of the industrialized world for a Medicare for all health care system guaranteeing health care to all people. That is Bernie Sanders. 
and that is why we are creating so yep. much excitement at the grassroots level. Uh, Senator Sanders, thank you very much. Good to talk to you tonight. Thank you very much. There you are from Senator Sanders. How will what we heard tonight impact tomorrow's contest? Much more of our and I have to say the reason I like that interview was because he did talk about foreign policy, well, which really we cool. don't which we don't hear very often. Uh, no one ever asked him about that, or they never stop long enough to film it and talk about it. it was, I no, was pleased it, to hear his balanced approach. It wasn't. It was well. It wasn't. Yeah. I want to. I, I want to see the other Arab countries if they have problems in uh, the Middle East that they need to help solve their own problems, mm. and they need to use their military force. Why should we use ours? Oh, we'll support them. I see Trump came out with that first, and then and then Bernie kind of picked up on that. But at the same time, a lot, I'm noticing that a lot of Bernie's rhetoric is Trumpian rhetoric, but at the same time, without the hate, you know, so much as uh, without the, the... Well, he has a softer, more rational approach. He does, and more, more compassion, but at the same time, he's not afraid to drop a bomb, and that, that's what's that's what's surprising, too. Um, he's, he, he has that... Uh, I don't think anybody pushes him around. No, but he... He's he had the right... He had the right... You know, I, to me... I was right on. I, sometimes I wonder if he, you know, I've been very critical of him and, and Trump and everybody, but uh, but I, I, I often wonder if because some of the stuff that he just mentioned, especially in in, in my uh, my 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 writings about about uh, about uh, ISIS, mm. those are my exact words. Before that even happened, it was destroy ISIS. That was that was my article. I, and the revenant of ISIS, the, the evil that, that that is, and the only way, and he's right, you've got to have, it's got to be a Muslim uh, army, you yeah. know, it's got to be Muslim states against this ISIS, because ISIS is, is yeah, they they have to them. They have to make it clear that, that they're not in support of them. Yeah, exactly. You and know, it, it, stop whining and do something about that's it. That's right. You know, put up your money, you know what I mean, Qatar and, and, and your Saudi people. Arabia and all mm -hmm. these places. And go after them yourself instead of relying on on uh, Moscow and uh, the United States and you know to put up their money. You know you got billions of dollars. Put up your money. You know you're the guys that you know. They're, well, they're Saudi power. Arabia I didn't realize that the fourth largest military yeah. will use it then. And they buy most of it from us. Yeah. You know, so, well, then is, use uh, it. And I agree with that. And uh, I'd like to see a and a balanced approach toward Israel and Palestine exactly. and building up of. The places that have been destroyed, I think, is very important, and put e economic support oh, I, in. Oh, I agree. This is probably, you know, this is probably Got one it. of the best interviews I've seen mm -hmm. uh, uh, with Ernie because uh, you know it gives him a chance to actually talk. Yeah, he did a he did a nice and not job. Not just No, he did a really nice job. Yeah. I thought, and, and Cooper um, did too for the yeah. first time. But uh, but I, you know, I to me, there's just too many. Uh, I, I, it was, I had a lot, a lot of questions about it. I that. also always right. liked, right from the beginning, Bernie Sanders' domestic policy. Yeah, exactly. I but I, 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 was, really, I was really put off by the, uh, um, I was really more put off by the, uh, his, 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 uh, his Israel stance. But now, that's totally different. His Israeli stance is much more moderate than I thought. Yeah. You know, and he's right. But then people, and just poor people in, in Gaza, I mean, they've been suffering like hell. 
Yeah. You know, and and and. Uh, you You'd know. like to see the water cleaned up and the housing cleaned up. And and, I mean, fifty percent, almost fifty percent. And he's not wild about. Yeah. I was glad he said, "I'm not wild about Netanyahu." No, that was really but glad. He's been very destructive. Sure, he is. And yeah. you know that's. And, and he represents not a majority of the Israeli population either. That's it's correct. a very small percent. But that small percent is in the, is in charge. Is in charge. That's right. Yeah. So that's. Uh, can we trade Canadians? Oh, how about this, folks? It's a picture of Cruz and Trudeau. Can we trade Canadians? Yes, I, everybody likes Justin Trudeau. Well, I don't know. He, he, he's kind of a... He, he came on star, but now he's backing away from his... Uh, oh, is he? Yeah, I think he's backing away from his marijuana stance. He's backing away from a bunch of things. So he, uh, he's... Uh, I hope he doesn't... Because you know, people put him in to make changes. Oh, is we, well, we could, yeah, we could send Cruz back and. Oh, I'd love him. to give him back that. I would, I'd hate to do that to those poor Canadian people. <laughs> God almighty. Having Cruz, they choose. Yeah. So anyway, um, <laughs> uh, this is this is sick. Now here's something. The Florida, this guy is such a piece of work. This Florida governor. I don't, I don't know, know too much about him. He, he's he's a piece of work, I tell you. Yeah, he, he's 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 up there with the walkers of the world. There's oh, kind of really? Walkers kind of thing. Listen to what he did. He, uh, F, Florida bill defunds Planned Parenthood, lists uh, Salvation Army and grade schools and dentists as alternatives. What does he mean by alternatives? I don't know what that means exactly. Uh, it's like, uh, I'll tell you in a second. Let's go down to no that. Cat. The results of a nightmare curse hurled by a leprechaun. Florida's governor, I don't Rick know, Rick Scott, oh, Scott uh, will have the chance to sign up on a bill defunding Planned Parenthood. This month, the state's legislature voted to restrict state agencies from working with any organizations that provide abortion care. During the March 2nd hearing on the proposal, state lawmaker Lori Berman asked co-sponsor Colleen Burton to elaborate on alternative resources for birth control, pap smears, breast exams, and other reproductive services. Burton replied, We have 52 federally qualified health centers. The counties have health departments, physicians' offices. Independent clinics would be eligible if they applied and met the requirements. The interaction didn't end there as Berman pressed Colleen Burton further. Berman then asked, are some of those uh, FQHC's school board health clinics? Not to my knowledge, Burton said. Are some of those FHC podiatrist's office, Berman continued. If you are asking me if F, uh, FHC's are podiatrist's office, Burton responded, the exchange ended with Berman asking Burton for a list that Burton said she had seen that had all of these great alternatives for women. The overwhelmingly male Florida legislature has now provided a generous list of alternatives. On the list, two Salvation Armies, 38 dental offices, and 67 elementary and middle schools for getting, for getting reproductive care. My God. Anybody with a half a mind knows that abortions are a tiny aspect of health facilities that provide services to women. 
What this would do is take away funding for programs that are primary care, said Chris Estes, the chief medical officer of Planned Parenthood of Southeast and North Florida. Cancer screenings, sexually transmitted disease screenings and treatment, pap smears, birth control. These are services that women in great need are assessing at Planned Parenthood centers. There are not-for-profit programs for patients who don't have insurance don't have money, and can't afford to go elsewhere for it. When you hear John Kasich and others talk about defunding Planned Parenthood, these are the alternatives they have in mind. It's beyond just abortions. It's the complete lack of care for women's health. So that's a, it's a piece of work. Yeah, a piece of work, yeah. 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 Wonderful, yeah. wonderful politicians they vote in. So that's what the alternatives are. You can you can go to the dentist to get reproductive health care. That was on the list. I mean, what an idiot. You know, really? And they get into elected office. It's just amazing how these people get there. Oh, yeah. House GOP kills bill allowing students to borrow at 70, at 0.75%. Advanced bill that charges them up to ten and a half percent instead. Holy God! Damn. They just they they allowed they allowed banks to charge ten and a half percent interest on student loans instead of borrowing it at point seven five percent, ten and a half percent. Unbelievable. And they won't let these people bankrupt either. No. This God, I hate this. I, I hate this government like you can't believe this. This kind of Well, that's why Bernie Sanders is going to be the next president. I think so. And those people are all going to be kicked out. Okay. Survey. Donald Trump must be defeated. Who will stop him? Well, we know it's going to be Bernie is the only, the only one. Who do you support? Well, oh, it's a survey. What did they say in the survey? Yeah. Who do you support? Let's see. Let's see what the survey says. I think it's a survey just to say, do you support or not? Who's your support? The Democratic presidential primary has been a roller coaster, and the PCC has been successful in our unique role, moving the center of gravity in the Democratic Party in an economic, populist direction. The Elizabeth Warren wing has won, and Democrats will be campaigning on our message in 2016. Looking ahead to the rest of 2016, we need your input as we chart the PCC's next steps. Can you take this short sur survey and share it with other progressives you know? The more opinions, the better. Thank you. Well, we'll, oh. share, it. we'll share it tonight on the show. And let's see, you want, you want to put your name in there, Lana? Sure. Okay. Put your name in there and the email and your zip code. Okay. Which of these is closer to your opinion? I will do anything in my power to make sure Donald Trump is not the next president. I don't like Donald Trump, but I'm not going to let him distract me from other political priorities I'm focused on. I'm open to supporting Trump. Number two. Yeah, I think that probably makes sense. Optional. Can you tell us more about your priorities, though? Do you have no. anything more to tell him? No, not about that uh, question. Yeah. What do you, why do you think... Uh, no, who do you yeah. think would have a better chance of defeating Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton or Bernie Sanders? Bernie Sanders, definitely. Uh, yeah, definitely. Who do you think uh, would have a better chance of defeating Ted Cruz, 
uh, Bernie Sanders. Hillary Clinton or Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders. Definitely. If I have to put my name on it. So, okay. So, um, so right. folks, you ought to take the survey, see what you think. Yeah, it's on Progressive Change Campaign Committee. Uh, boldprogressives.org. Uh, think about that. I think it's interesting. Uh, let's go to. Let's move on. Okay. <laughs> uh, oh, impeach Nancy Pelosi. Somebody wants to impeach her. Oh, that's that's a that's a website. Web, oh. uh, Facebook page. Oh, okay. I see yeah. that. Uh, if it was fancy, built to keep his dog in the yard and wait for it, and it's uh, I guess the dog jumps over the fence. Right? Oh. Michelle but, Bachman says God sent attacks to humiliate Obama. Yeah, is yeah, she yeah. crazy? She is. Oh, yeah. She, she's How does a person like that mind. get any uh, traction? Well, she, she made it to the, the, the Congress. I, I forgot what, what state she's from. Wisconsin, maybe. Something like that. Some, some crazy state. It's going to come up here in a second. Yeah, Michelle Bachman says God sent Brussels attack to humiliate Obama. She's My amazing. God, she's amazing. People, people who think she's freaking wonderful. You gotta know. be kidding. Says, have you ever wondered what it would look like if Sarah Palin were held at gunpoint and forced to junk tweet slam poetry? <laughs> well, well then, then, former well. Congressman Michelle Bachman, a Republican from um, Minnesota, uh, latest World Net Daily column is for you. The rambling stream of what can only loosely be called consciousness blog posts touches on a wide variety of horrible Obama failures, but most notably posts that maybe God sent the posits ter- that God sent the terrorists to Brussels to humiliate President Obama. That's a, that's yeah. a bit of a stretch, isn't well, it? Well, here's what she says. Or maybe our president's humiliation comes in a manner so devastating. It makes one wonder whether the creator of humankind isn't reminding his, this world of the inferiority of a foolishness in the face of wisdom. Now you got to remember, Michelle Bachman's husband is a is a psychiatrist who treats. Um, I think it's actually become illegal in California. Oh, he tried to force uh, gay yeah, people to become uh, straight through marriage. Yeah, through uh, through uh, through, uh, through Christianity. Yeah, right. Yeah, through Christianity. She's yeah, he's a freaking nut, and so, so is she. Anyway, it says, the, uh, the, the president once again mocked the, his nemesis, the Jewish people and the nation of Israel. This is Michelle Bachman. By cleverly turning the international press corps toward his brilliant work in Cuba, instead of covering ongoing Islamic attacks against the Jewish state, as outlined the very same day at the annual pro-Israel APAC meeting in Washington, D.C. Oh, no wonder he went to Cuba. Oh, wait a minute. They didn't attack Jews in in uh, in in, uh, in Brussels. They just no. attacked, they attacked anybody. Well, they tried to say they attacked them in France. They did attack some of them in France, but they did the others. They 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 just they went all out and just attacked everybody. Yeah. Anybody that was in the way. Yeah. And history changed less than 24 hours later in the blink of an eye, and the rug was pulled out from under his well-laid plans. And Obama's slavish press corps was forced to turn their uncritical gaze from adoring him to reveling in the newest changes in Brussels. Our eyes were spellbound. No, they weren't, Michelle. You're just looking at the wrong camera. If this truly is a clash of civilization, as Bachman really believes, then telling the world that God sent terrorists to make Obama look bad is not 
great PR for Christianity. Mm, it's, it's crazy. You can read the loopy thing here, and I, I think I've read enough of the loopy stuff. Yeah, me Michelle too. Lockman, I, that's not a that's not a blog I would be visiting often. No, me either. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, oh, former congresswoman is fighting YouTube over a false statement this week in God. Okay. Jeb Bush is Jeb Bush says my brother's nine one one response was awe inspiring. Boy, yeah, it sure was. What a stretch that is. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, Obama blasts Cruz, your father fled Cuba to escape the oppression. You now hurl at Muslims. Ooh, ooh, that's a, that's an interesting one. Yeah, let's go to that's that. That's interesting. So, let's, uh, let's, oh, we only got a few minutes left. Mm-hmm. Jeez, this has been a fun show. We haven't talked much union stuff, but we, we're trying to stay on the line with the politics here. Yeah, I think it's uh, important for people to keep up. For people that up. hear that, that video from, uh, I hope people listen to that video. For, uh, Bernie Sanders, uh, Bernie that Sanders. was excellent. Yeah, That's the best good, interview good. I've seen, where he, where he really yeah. talked about a lot of things. I, yeah, I, he opened my eyes to him, and uh, that, that was really good, you know. Made a, he made a lot of sense to me. Sure does. I mean, I always liked his, um, as I said, his uh, domestic policy, but I was pleased to hear what he had to say about foreign policy. Cruz's response to the Brussels attack is psychotic and stupid. <laughs> is that what Obama said? No, there's another 98%. There's a group called the other 98%. Oh, here's another one. Chris Matthews directed to stop when talking about Bernie Sanders. So much media bias that they can't even keep it contained. Uh, well, let's see what that's about. Bernie Sanders talks about society. He doesn't know about government. He talks about the individual and competing claims of individual members of society. How a young person coming out of school with a huge school debt is really owed something by society. We should give that young man or woman, both of them, something that they haven't had, some sense of economic independence, and don't make them debtors basically for the first half of their adulthood. And so that's about competing in. Wealthy people on Wall Street, as he talks about, who make a lot of money, the traders, the speculators, they owe something back to society. And so I think that... uh, just a minute. Am I supposed to stop talking? No. Okay. Somebody just told me to. No, please don't. Okay. Um, and I think that uh, I think so. You have one man who's very effective at talking about the individual and competing interests of, of competing claims of society. We know what they are. Huh. Uh, what station is he on? He's on MSNBC. I wonder if he was. Nobody watches. I wonder if he was told to stop talking. Probably. I've I've shut him off. I I haven't watched him in years. I refuse to watch that station at any time, anywhere, even on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, Awful. Potentially dooming his wife's campaign. Bill Clinton calls Obama's legacy awful. Potentially dooming his wife's campaign. Oh, so it's everybody else's fault that she's uh, doing badly, right? Well, either that or he's, he's... Growing it up himself, Mr. Mr. Clinton. I think he's lost it. I do too. I think he's, he's I think he's, tired, I think he's tired to lose it now because he just doesn't make. He's not making sense these days. Yeah. Uh-huh. And they got him. You know, it's it's really really amazing. Oh, I can't close that there again. Let's 
Washington, Mr. Clinton called for putting the awful legacy of the last eight years behind us and the seven years before that where we were practicing trickle-down economics and no regulation in Washington, which is what caused the crash when you should vote for her, Mr. Clinton said, uh, referring to his wife, Democratic frontrunner Hillary Clinton on the stump Monday. Because she's the only person who basically has good ideas, will tell you how she is going to pay for them and be commander in chief and his proven change maker with Republicans and independents alike. The Garage former president said. Uh, so you where did that come from? Uh, the damn thing pops up. I hate this. And uh, if you take a step back and look at all America has achieved over the past eight years, it's remarkable to see how far we've come. Hillary wrote in an op-ed in the Huffington Post in January titled What President Obama's Legacy Means to Me. Well, she went on to explain how Mr. Obama has taken on the toughest regulations on Wall Street since the 1930s, how Mr. Obama's policies have created 70% or 70 straight months of private sector job growth, blah, 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 and businesses have created 14.1 million jobs. But the unemployment rate is the lowest in seven years. Hey, okay. the almost, it's almost like Bill didn't get Hillary's talking points. <laughs> I didn't understand that Barack Obama has been president for the past seven years. Mrs. Clinton swept the southern prairies, primaries rather, uh, based on her promise to continue Mr. Obama's policies, and the black vote was rallied around her. She has captured more than 80% of the black vote, wow, and many of whom are sad to see Mr. Obama go based on her promises to continue, uh, uh, or, uh, continue his legacy. Well, indeed, the president himself has come just short of endorsing Hillary, calling her wicked smart and her campaign more prose than poetry. And does Bill really want Hillary to become president? After statements like today's, uh, one has to question. Even Matt Drudge questioned why make these statements now? And then heard Obama moving on email indictments. Uh, Mr. Drudge uh, questioned on Twitter, drugged out Alzheimer's. I wondered about that, too. I wondered about what he's doing. If he's, he doesn't if, know what he's doing, I don't think. That's no, the way I, he looks to me. He looks like he's totally out of it. He does, and he and he talks like it, you know, and he and he does crazy-ass things. Now, for, now, Drudge is wondering, too. I'm wondering. I wondered last, uh, what, when he did that thing in, in uh, well, yeah, no, no I, I questioned it before that, too. I questioned it. I wrote it on, a, I wrote on, my, on my site. Um, when he when I saw him shaking, yeah, that there remember was he was the, shaking yeah. in the uh, at, at one of the uh, things, yeah, uh, one of his speeches. And then the the one speech too that was really funny was the one that that uh, some one of Bernie Sanders people said something sexist about about Hillary, and he got all offended about it and had to bring it up. You know, like it was yeah. so, so stupid. But all these things are really affecting him. Like he's falling apart. You know, you can see that he's mm-hmm. falling. There's something me- uh, mentally wrong with him. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, he's here, not, okay. He's here, not here, sharp here. anymore. Well, let, let's hear him say that. You're right here. Well, we only got one minute left. But. I, I literally, from the time I met her 45 years ago till we talked yesterday, she is the best change maker I have ever known. She always finds a way 
to make something good happen, to make people feel empowered, to buy people into the process, to make democracy work the way the framers intended for it to work. Now, if you don't believe we can all grow together again, if you don't believe we're ever going to grow again, if you believe it's more important to relitigate the past, there may be many reasons that you don't want to support. But if you believe we can all rise together, if you believe we've finally come to the point where we can put the awful legacy of the last eight years behind us and the seven years before that when we were practicing trickle-down economics and no regulation in Washington, which is what caused the crash, then you should go for it because... That was so weird. That was really weird. Yeah. Uh, uh, he doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, there's he's only over one billion Muslims in the world. If Islam was inherently violent, you'd all be dead by now. <laughs> Think for yourself. Stop letting Cruz and Trump tell you who to hate. <laughs> yeah, well, Cruz wanted to... Oh, he wanted to kill everybody, too. Yeah. He's such a dork. Yeah. He wanted to put police into the Muslim community, harassing them, basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. the Muslim community here, they haven't really done anything. It's just hardworking people.